0: Uh, always great having him, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Chris King he is the uh, the great play-by-play man of uh, the New York Islanders. And uh, I say it all the time, uh, you know, turn down the sound on the TV and put Chris on, because he's uh, the best in the business, and uh, gives us a couple of minutes, I believe, from Pittsburgh this morning. Uh, and we appreciate that. Christopher, how are you? Mr. King. We got to get Mr. King back. We will, Mr. Bila. Uh, we'll check that out. Chris uh, uh, in Pittsburgh. Isles play the Penguins. This on the heels. Chris, you there? I think we got you now. All right, Jake. Uh, we're gonna have to re- regroup there. So we'll get uh, Chris King back. Chris uh, in Pittsburgh. The Isles. Isles uh, taking on the Penguins. Uh, still twenty eight to go in the season. They're six behind the Red Wings, I believe uh for the uh, wild card and uh uh all in all they're gonna play some really good hockey here uh have they showed it have you watched saturday's game against the rangers i was incensed i believe we have chris back jake so let's get to mr king uh chris how are you pal i'm good jay how are you doing well you're in pittsburgh right now right No,
1: we're actually not. Uh, Some of the road games this year we're doing from home, so this is one of the ones that we're going to do from our studios at Hofstra tonight. Cool.
0: That's always good. Um, Always good. Uh, And we appreciate a couple of minutes, my friend. Um, The game on Saturday was an eye-opener for me. Um, I mean, I felt really good about a three-goal lead. Uh, But in the end, man, I'll tell you, we showed – we showed a little bit of warts of what we have been uh, sensing all season long here um give me the chris king assessment uh, that's as bad a loss i think as you could have here no
1: yeah and, and it's it, it's kind of a dichotomy for me jay and i'm sure for a lot of folks because uh, honestly i can tell you flat out it was one of the best you know broadcasting experiences i've ever had in my entire career to have 80,000 islanders and ranger fans <laughs> Uh, at MetLife Stadium, and to give them a wildly entertaining game, but the Mm. ending, of course, spoiled it all. As you said, you know, the Islanders at one point actually had a three-goal lead, but they had a two-goal lead with four and a half minutes to go. So um, just uh, just the ending, it just couldn't have been worse. I mean, they take two penalties late. The Rangers pull the goalie on both of those and score six on four power play goals to tie it. And then, I mean, they even win the faceoff in overtime, which, you know, uh, possession is king, as you know, Jay, in overtime, so they win the opening faceoff, they look like they're all set to go, and, and the guy who had maybe the best game of all of every Islander, Noah Dobson, uh, with three assists in the game, the first defenseman ever to do that in an outdoor game, has the turnover in front of his own net. And then he knocks the pegs off, and, and, and you know, and Artemi Panarin, give him credit, he jumps on the turnover, finds a way to jam it home, and uh, everybody was just stunned. It was 10 seconds into overtime, and, you know, what was an incredible three-hour battle was over uh, in stunning fashion.
0: By the way, I mean, absolutely. Saturday was a spectacle beyond. Uh, and Sunday, Saturday, I mean, with the Devil's Flyers, they had a great job. Yep. NHL's done a wonderful job with this. You know, I was thinking over the weekend, too, I was telling my kids, that they should have this set up in, in every area of the league. You know, these outdoor games, I know they're going to do a stadium series next year. I think it's in Columbus uh, yep. for the Blue Jaguars and Red Wings. But they should do kind of an in-season tournament of this nature uh, like the NBA did, you know, where the Lakers prevailed. Maybe they could they could put a little emphasis on winning a tournament of some kind uh, as far as the postseason, maybe an extra point given. I I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just a – a wonderful addition here, and the NHL has done this for a long time. You know, they've they've put forth over 20 of these games, right, Chris? Wouldn't it yeah, be something the, if they can kind of, uh, you know, put something in play every season like this?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. This was the 41st game, Jay, so they've actually had 41 outdoor games wow. now, and and you're right, it's, it's 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 just incredible. I just think the effort that goes into it, though, to put it together – I mean, it's just, you, you couldn't do it every year, uh, you know, on a yearly basis and among all teams. Obviously they do the, the Winter Classic once a year. They do these Stadium Series games once a year. Um, but I would love to see, like you said, let everybody else get in on it and have some type of local rivalry where maybe you put the four teams that were in New Jersey this weekend, right, the Rangers, the Devils, the Islanders, and the Flyers, and let them have a little in-season tournament indoors so you wouldn't have to set it up in every city uh, throughout the league and, you know, have something at stake, too. And, again, I think that NBA, you know, in-season tournament drew a lot of uh, you know, a lot of interest, and I know the NHL is going to do something next year that's going to be great called the Four Nations Face-Off where, you know they're going to have uh, you know United States, Canada, Finland, and Sweden battling uh, you know a round All Star break uh, in a tournament that's going to you know get them ready for the Olympics the following year. So um, the NHL is always looking at everything that you know they're doing and other leagues are doing. But I- I'm with you, Jay. I'd love to see uh, you know a little even if it was just Rangers Island it was a little mini tournament. Uh, they do play them you know three more times the rest of this season. But to have a weekend where you know my son had a hockey tournament this weekend in New Jersey, and there's nothing better than like a weekend tournament among good rivals and. And I'm, I'm all for
0: it. No doubt. Chris King, play-by-play man with the Isles. Chris, here's something for you. And I, and I, I got so many questions for you here.
1: I'm ready but to go, Jay. I, I'm here t-
0: for you. Talk to me why the Islanders are playing the Rangers for the first time. I think it's the latest it's ever been, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and they play two games with the Arizona Coyotes, just throwing one out there. Uh, and meanwhile, we got a rival here that's second, second – And it is unbelievable when rivals play in hockey. Why so late? Why doesn't the NHL say, you know what, we don't have enough of these types of things?
1: Yeah, you're right. You're dead on, Jay. You've hit the nail on the head there. It makes no sense at all. And this is really what it comes down to. It was almost 14 months, 14 months between Islander and Ranger games when it finally happened, you know, Sunday afternoon in New Jersey. And they did not play once, Jay. Not once in the calendar year 2023. That's right. 12 months, 365 days of 2023. They didn't play him once. Because here's what happened. Last season... The Ranger-Islander schedule was front-loaded. They played him once in October, once in November, once in December, and that was it. So they only played him three times last year, which is a whole nother story. That was wrong. You've got to play him at least four every year. And then this year, they didn't play him at all until now. So they play him once in February, once in March, and twice in April. So it is going to make for a great ending. Two of the final five games for the Islanders this year – are against the Rangers, so uh, that's going to be incredible. But you're right, Jay. First of all, play them more than four times. Let's go back to six. Let's go back to eight, which we had in the you know the uh, the, the, the pandemic year. That's the you know those are the games the fans want to see. The three was a whole another story that I won't even get into. But that was crazy. That. You know, they didn't even play him four times last year, but it's just, you know, it was heavy front-loaded, heavy back-loaded, and in between you had 14 months without a Ranger-Islander game, which which just is wrong. So I think, you know, they're going to learn from the mistakes of that and and just spread it out a little bit better so that it's not – crazy front-loaded, crazy back-loaded, you know, spread it out over the course of the year. And why not play them once a month? Let's get back to the six, seven, eight times a year rather than – even four to me isn't enough right now.
0: Listen, I feel the same in baseball. Uh, I don't care if the Yankees uh, play the Dodgers and the Giants. Right. Uh, I want to see the Yankees play the Blue Jays and the Red Sox and the Rays. I mean, it's the same deal in hockey. I mean, some great rivalries, my goodness. Yep. I mean, Isle Rangers eight times a year would be great, my goodness. Yep, uh, that's
1: what we had in the, the pandemic-shortened season, right? No we question. We eight times, and, and it was awesome.
0: No question about it. Chris King-Willis. All right, so I've been very critical of Mr. Lamarillo and some of these moves. Uh, Chris, I'm going to put it bluntly to you. They are not postseason savvy at this point. I, I don't see how they get there. They don't have any firepower. I mean, after Barzell, a little Horvat, uh, Bo's had a nice season, 22 goals. Uh, I look at it, uh, I look at a very uh, older Anders Lee um I, I'm not sure if JG Pajot you know might be past it a little bit I don't know who they're getting it from as far as the scoring I've been critical of Lavarillo because he has not given this team the added depth as far as those who can put pucks in net uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm a frustrated fan and I get a sense of this. Uh, even on even on uh, Sunday against the Rangers, they need firepower. They don't have it. Give me a sense and talk me off that ledge.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'll try, Jay. I'll try. Well, the firepower was there Sunday. You know, the goals four wasn't the problem. They had five of them, right? That that should be enough to win you the game. And uh, you know, I'll talk some of the guys that you didn't mention. In Bo Horvat, who's had a great season. Brock Nelson, who's had a great season. Kyle Palmieri, who's got fifteen goals. Uh to me the the scoring isn't the issue right now. It's more the back end, you know. They're they're uh you know, obviously the the defense, especially on the penalty kill, Jay. They have, you know, the worst penalty kill in the National Hockey League by far, and three of the six Ranger goals came on the power play. So that was, you know, the backbreaker. Um they need to be much better in the penalty kill area and again I'm not, you know, gonna uh try to sugarcoat it, but they are, you know, all, including the defenseman trying to learn a new system under Patrick Waugh, who's, you know, only had nine games behind the bench. So yeah. he is changing, you know, a lot that the defensemen are doing. I mean, he wants them to be very different than they were under Lane Lambert, his predecessor. Um, so there's lots to learn there. But I think, you know, I think the offense has actually been fine. And also Noah Dobson is the name, you know, that uh, I don't think a lot of people follow the Islanders this closely, you know, may not realize that he's the only defenseman in the NHL that leads his team in scoring. Noah Dobson has more points than Matt Barzell right now, which is a, uh, you know, beyond incredible, and he's had over 50 assists in, you know, just over 50 games, and the only Islander defensemen ever to do that in team history are Dennis Potvin, John Potvin, and Stephon Pearson. So you're talking about, you know, Islander legends are the Mm -hmm. only ones that are in the category of Noah Dobson right now. So, um, you know, he's um, uh, supplying a ton of offense from the blue line, uh, he's uh, turning heads. He's he's in the Norris Trophy candidate uh, you know class right now. There's no doubt about it. So to me, Jay, again, it's not the scoring. I do feel that's there. It's the other end. It's it's cleaning up their own end. It's improving the penalty kill. And even Ilya Sorokin would tell you, you know, I still think he's one of the best goaltenders in the world, yeah. but he's had a tough season.
0: You know, speaking of that, I, I couldn't understand these penalties at the end of that game. How a referee, uh, what was it, a hooking call on Barzell? I couldn't even see it. 238 left in regulation and uh, the guy's raising his arm. Did, didn't you find that a little nutty? Yeah,
1: those are tough to talk about. You know, Patrick Waugh was asked about it afterwards and he doesn't want to get fined and, and I don't want to get fined, Jay. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a hook on Barzell that became the you know 5-4 power play goal for the Rangers and it was a trip on Mayfield that became the 5-5 you know, power play goal for the Rangers. So uh, tough, tough calls. You know, late in such a close game that that's been played so bitterly and intensely by uh, you know these incredible rivals in front of eighty thousand fans. But yeah. the other side of it is, look, you got to get through those kills. And and again, to be dead last in the NHL in penalty kill, and the fact that you know here, here's the other number that that just blows my mind. You know, yeah. Peter let on both of those penalties, Jay pulled his goalie. But the Islanders remain the only team in the NHL that have not scored an empty net goal this season. We're talking wow. 54 games. And Cal Clutterbuck had a shot. He had a wide-open shot at the empty net. He didn't miss it by much. But to be 54 games in and not have an empty net goal, last year, Jay, they had 15 empty net goals. Fifteen. And, again, this year the only team that hasn't found an empty net all year. Incredible.
0: Yeah, it really is. Chris King, well uh, those wanted that game. He wanted that game pulling that goaltender a couple of times. That was two man advantage, folks. He yep. wanted it a little bit more. Um so and you I know guess- what
1: just before yeah, just before you leave that point, it's a big risk, obviously not just because of an empty net. But fans have to remember, when you're shorthanded, there's no fear of icing. So you can shoot at the length of the ice. Every time you get it, fire away, right? Because it's not going to be icing when you're down a man. There is no icing. So it's a huge risk for a coach to do that. But he recognized the moment, give him credit, and the Islanders couldn't hit the empty net. And I know for a fact he knew coming in that the Islanders were the only team in the league without an empty net goal. So he didn't have any fear of pulling his goalie twice in that situation, even though he knew the Islanders could fire away at the empty net without the fear of icing.
0: That's an excellent point. Um, So where does Lou go here? Does he add anything uh, as far as the stretch here is concerned? Can he, Chris? Uh, And then it comes to the point where how long is Lamarillo going to stick with these guys? The same old, same old. You know, I mean, where he can't. Here's, Here's the thing I look at. I look at two teams. I look at the Flyers and I look at the Red Wings. And they were doormats for a long time. And they have elevated themselves to the point where both are in postseason contention, obviously. Here. Flyers have made a, a remarkable run as far as what occurred last season this season. And, and look at the aisles. Kind of stagnated somewhat here. Um, and I get a sense, you know, they need youth. How do you get youth? Well, lose, traded away a lot of draft picks. Does he make moves? Does he try and solidify the future? How long does he go with the group, basically, here?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Jay. And, uh, you know, trade deadline is March 8th, and you got to look back at the things, you know, he's done on the deadline in the past. Last year, you know, he kind of shocked the entire league in getting Bo Horvat, and did it very early. He did it all-star, you know, week, and uh, that was one of the best available players out there, and Bo has been, you know, terrific. Uh, a couple years back, he did, got J.G. Pajot, which, you know, was it was a terrific move as well, yep. so... Um, the thing with Lou is, of course, Jay, as you know, nobody knows what Lou is doing or is going to do. So, um, you know, you talk about those two teams—that's who the Islanders are chasing right now. They're seven points back of the Flyers, but do have two games in hand on Philly. They're six points back of Detroit, who have the final wild card spot with one game in hand. So tonight, you know, becomes a huge game in Pittsburgh against the Penguin team. That's only three points back of the Islanders, and they have two games in hand. So. You know, Brock Nelson said it immediately after the game Sunday against the Rangers. He said, you know, Tuesday night in Pittsburgh, that's the biggest game of the season. So the players are looking at it that way. But, you know, Lou is always going to look to improve. But you're right. It has been, you know, a long time together for this group now. If you consider, you know, when Lou came in and obviously what they did under Barry Trotz and what they did under Lane Lambert, you know, this is his sixth year now uh, as general manager for Lou Lamorello. But uh, obviously the group has been together for a long, long time. Uh, there may come the point where, you know, he's always believed in the core, um, and he stayed with that, just trying to, you know, sprinkle in <clears throat> excuse me, little additions along the way. But at some point, as you said, Jay, you know, you may have to decide, you know, that this core, who made two great runs to the Final Four a couple of years back, uh, may not be able to do that again.
0: You know, I look at the uh, the Crosstown Rivals, those were ages. I mean, they have beefed it up. Uh, how about these two six-seven behemoths? Centering around Barkley Goodrow in that fourth fourth line there, uh, and that fight. That that you know, that twenty one year old kid, what's his name? Remke? Who went yeah, at Matt it with Remke. Matt yep. Martin there? You, t- tell me that wasn't staged. I mean, my goodness. They probably said to Remke, you know what, get your feet wet. It was his debut. Go up against the uh the all-world Matt Martin who leads the world in fights, no question. Uh that would be a pretty good way to kind of unleash, huh?
1: Well, let me give you this let me give you this, Jay, because Matt Rempe told the story after the game. You're talking about uh two kids, for those who didn't follow it that closely, Barkley Goodrow is the Rangers fourth line center. He's six foot two, and he was asked about playing with two young wingers uh, before the game. He said, Look, the first thing I never realized was both my wingers would ever be five inches taller than me. Now rempy is listed as six seven, but he claims he's six eight and a half. Okay, which would put him only a half inch shy of the all-time tallest player in NHL history, the former Islanders' know Chara. and then they have Adam Ebstrom on the other side. He's six foot seven, and he says that's legit. He's six seven. But first of all, this kid Matt Rempe is the first player ever to make his NHL debut in an outdoor game, so he's got that going into his mind. What a way to do it, right in front of eighty thousand people. The Rangers score the goal to make it one nothing. At the next faceoff at center ice. Laviolette puts Rempe out for his first shift in the National Hockey League. One second, one second into that shift, Matt Martin says to him, Hey, Remps, congrats. Welcome to the NHL. So he nods his head. And then Matt Martin says to him, Remps, you want to go? And Rempe says, sure, let's go. So (laughs) they dropped the club. (laughs) That's how it happened. Matt Martin invited him to do it. Kind of a welcome to the NHL thing. And obviously for Matt, you know, hey, the Islanders are down a goal on the Rangers' first shot a little over a minute in. He was trying to spark his team. But what a heavyweight tilt! This six foot eight and a half guy is throwing haymaker rights, and Matt Martin is responding with rights, and it went on for so long. They were both completely exhausted by the time the linesman jumped in. But you know, kudos to Matt Martin for getting his team going and welcoming the kid to the league, and kudos for our Remps, as Matt Martin called him, for you know answering the bell and and having you know a, a one second shift. In his first shift in the NHL that involved a great fight with, as you said, one of the better heavyweights in the NHL.
0: That was something else. That really was. (laughs) Very entertaining. I'll tell you, that was a great game. Very entertaining game. I was annoyed beyond belief when that game ended. Uh, I Forget it. Uh, Exploit was coming out of my mouth like you wouldn't (laughs) believe. Uh, It was frustrating. It was frustrating. And we'll see what happens. 28 games to go. Um but you're feeling okay with the squad if there are no changes made, sir?
1: I'd like to see something added, you know, at the deadline, yeah, whether it be a veteran defenseman or, as you said, even another forward up front, and Lou's is going to work to do that. So uh, March 8th, you know, we're, we're under a month away from that now. That is the deadline, and the fact that he has the past history of, you know, adding some pretty nice players over the last couple of seasons, um, I don't think you're going to find a Bo Horvat out there, that's for sure. You know, that was an unbelievable uh, deal by him. But I would like to see something, sure, Lou, uh, Jay, that I see Lou do something. And, again, you know, uh, hopefully they can, you know, get uh, better under the Patrick Waugh system. And, again, he's provided a fire, a spark behind that bench. And um, just such a difference from, you know, Lane Lambert, who was so stoic behind the bench. Patrick Waugh, you know, stalks the bench. He's fiery. He's got passion. He's, uh, you know, he walks into that room with four Stanley Cups. Uh, he's done it all as a player. He's had great success as a coach at the junior level. Um, So, you know, hopefully that comes together a little bit, too, as tonight, again, will just be his 10th game
0: behind the New York bench. We'll be listening, and we can't thank you enough, the great uh, play-by-play man of New York Islanders hockey. We, of course, flagship radio station uh, here in the East End. And, uh, Chris, uh, best of luck with everything. We'll keep an eye out, and uh, we look forward to having you on once the Islanders make the Stanley Cup playoffs.
1: All right, I like it there. I like it there, Jay. And it's always (laughs) great talking hockey with you on LI News Radio. Thank you so much, my friend.